Good morning. Good morning. Man, it's been two and a half years since I could say good morning in a corporate setting. Um, I'm really excited about our time change. I'm excited about the beginning of our Easter series. And I know in the last few months we've had a lot of change in, in the life of Trinity Church. We've changed where we worship. We recently remodeled this room. We've changed uh, when we worship, um, but we will never change who we worship, and, and the reason uh, we decided to coincide um, all of these changes in Easter is because Easter should always ground us in the truth of the open tomb. Easter should always ground us in the truth that we serve the risen Lord. Easter is a time where we celebrate Christ Jesus' resurrection from the grave and conquering hell and the grave. Easter is also a time for us to step into some space. And I'm really going to encourage us this year, I'm going to encourage us this season to always step into that, that space, no matter how scary that space may be. Because that space is um, a time where culturally and secularly, people are going to acknowledge that in two Sundays, Easter Sunday is a Sunday that's a little different than the Sunday before it, and a little different than the Sunday after it. And it's a time for you to step into that truth and say, let me explain to you why it's different. Let me explain to you um, why I have hope, why I have peace, why I have joy, why I have uh, the love of, a, of the Savior. Let me explain to you why I have what you need. But that space can become really scary um, if we're not living in a manner that reflects the open tomb. We're going to look at Easter this, this season. We're going to look at Easter at Trinity Church Oak Cliff through the lens of the manner in which we live our everyday life. Does our everyday life reflect the open tomb, the empty tomb? Does, our, does the manner we live our life in reflect the fact that we serve a risen Savior? Because that space isn't scary to step into if the manner of our life is worthy of the calling of Christ. If the manner we live our life in is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Where that, where that space gets scary is when our life doesn't coincide with the truths we say we believe. Because nobody cares about an empty tomb if your life doesn't reflect that God. Nobody wants to hear you talk about the hope, peace, and joy you have if they don't see hope, joy, and peace. It's, it's the equivalent. We have a lot of salesmen in this room. It's the equivalent of you being a shoe salesman and you walking around with no shoes on your feet. Nobody's going to buy it. If you're not serving and loving out the faith you say you believe in, the biblical truths that we're going to continue to reaffirm through this series, no one's going to buy it. And that space is going to be scary. It's going to be scary for you to step into that space. But that space to reaffirm the gospel, that space to say, hey, that tomb is empty. It's empty on Easter Sunday. It's empty in July. It's empty in December. That tomb is always empty because our Savior is always risen. That space that you're being called into, that space is where you belong. That space is actually where you need to feel comfortable. And the only way you can take the fear out of that space is to live a life in the manner of which you have been called. Now, I'm going to step on some toes this series, but I promise you, as your pastor, as the guy who loves you, as the guy who stays awake at night praying over you, praying over this church, praying over what we've been called to do, I promise this, if I step on your feet, it's because I broke my toes. I promise I'm never going to come out at you at a place I haven't looked at the mirror and said, do better, you bum. I promise you this, that a lot of this message is passionate, and the reason I'm already amped and we haven't even opened the Bible yet is because God put this on my heart for myself first and then through my people. You are my people, and I love you dearly. I'm really excited about Easter. I had a really rough week. Who had a rough week? Show of hands. 
The rest of you are just lying to yourself. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. When you don't know where you're at, when you don't know where God has you and where you have, uh, where you've been found or where Satan's coming at you, you can't fight it and you can't progressively be sanctified. If you don't ex understand where you are at today, it is impossible for you to get where you need to be tomorrow. Do you understand that it's important to be honest with yourself? Because in a relationship with you and God, when you're lying, the only person you're lying to is yourself. God knows where you're at. God has shown us that He will call you where you're at. He will use you where you're at. But you've got to know where you're at. You've got to be honest with yourself and you've got to move forward. You've got to say, I, I am broken. I am, I am in need of a Savior, but I don't want to stay here. I want to move closer and closer into the image of God. So I pray this season that we are honest with ourselves so we can know where we are and where we need to get so we can live out the manner of Christ that reflects the open tomb. Whew. All right. All right. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 16 today. If you want to turn your Bibles there, um, I'm going to be reading out loud. There's a Bible next to you. Um, it will also be uh, on the screen behind us. So uh, Matthew, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus is concluding the end of his earthly ministry. Um, he is uh, proclaiming his first time in, in chapter 16, his, uh, his death and, and resurrection from the grave. And then right after he proclaims this biblical truth, he's going to call them to live a life in a manner of which the truth he just proclaimed. So the reason we're hitting this up is because God is saying, hey, Christ is saying to his disciples, hey, this is about to happen to me. And because this is about to happen to me, because this is true, because I believe in this, because this is how I want you to live your life after I die and rise, this is the kind of life that I'm calling you to. He's going to say, this is what's going to happen, pick up your cross. Alright, if you would stand in honor and reverence of God's holy word, I'm going to read it out loud. Again, it's going to be behind me. Chapter 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Say that again. And on the third day be raised. That's important. And Peter took him aside and rebuked him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, shall this never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God but on the things of man. Verse 24, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with His angels in the glory of His Father, and then He will pay each person according to what they have done. Truly, I say to you, there are some standing here that will not taste death until the Son of Man is coming again in the kingdom. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray over us, and we're going to dive in and do some work. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the, the opportunity we have to, to dwell in the Easter season. God, I pray that the truth that you have put on our heart, the truth that you have put in your word, and the truth that you have called us to live, I, I hope that they guide us. I hope that they are a compass. They are a map for life. I pray that, you, that we can understand through your truth that we have been called to step into space. We have been called to proclaim your truth. We have been called to lead the lost to the throne of Christ. God, I pray for the next few minutes that we would be solely focused on your word and your ways for your glory. I pray all things in your name. Amen. 
So this is really important. So like Christ, this is Christ's first time to proclaim his, his death and resurrection in, in just current form. So he's alluded to it in parables. He's, he's talked uh, around it in, in examples and, and some, some would say some confusing talk depending on your level of understanding and the disciples. Um, but this is his first time to look at the people he loves and say, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. A lot of bad things are going to happen and then I'm going to die. But that's a comma, not a period, because in three days I'm going to raise from the dead conquering hell and the grave. And if you believe those things are going to happen and those things are going to happen, then there's a certain way you have to live your life. These two passages are interconnected. He says, hey, this is going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, which is the fulfillment of prophecy. I'm going to suffer many things from the elders, priests, and scribes. That's going to fulfill prophecy. Then they're going to kill me. They're going to, they're going to, I'm going to die a death on the cross. And on that third day, I'm going to rise in fulfillment of prophecy. Then we see P Peter pull him aside and say, no. And I love Peter. I love Peter because we are Peter. We are the definition of someone who one day proclaims the truth and the next day gets confused and then comes back in and back out. And, and Peter changes, but the, the love that Christ has for Peter never changes. Because the passage prior to what we just read, Peter proclaims Jesus to be the Christ of the living God. And he says, Peter, on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And Peter, Peter's excited. And Peter's actually rebuking Christ, not because he doesn't believe it, or not because he, he is mad or whatever. He's rebuking him because Peter believes Jesus to be his best friend because they are, and he doesn't want him to be tortured to death. And he says, no, I don't want this to happen to you. I'm rebuking you. This thing will never. And what Peter is pro proclaiming here is, it's going to happen over my dead body. And what Jesus is saying, they are not murdering me. I'm giving up my life to them. Get out of my way, Satan. Because he knows Satan is not embodying Peter right now, but Satan is trying to hit Christ where he lives. Christ is 100% human. Peter is his best friend. He loves Peter. These are his people. These are his time. And as he is uh, excited to walk in, in lockstep in the will of God, at the same time, there has to be this anxiety in his mind leading up to the cross. And what he's saying is, I don't have time for people to make me feel safe when I know I'm not safe. Because I wasn't called to be safe. I was born to die. I don't have time for people to say, hey, it's okay, we can do it another way because he's the sovereign God. He knows there is one way, and it's the cross. So what we have here is Christ saying, I love you, but get behind me because you're putting your mind on the things of this earth instead of the things of God. And that's where we find ourselves usually. When we're stumbling, it's because we're thinking about the earth and we're not thinking about God. He follows that up in verse 24 where he says, if you're going to be my disciple, if you're going to be my follower, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be a believing son and daughter of the holy God in Trinity Church Oak Cliff, because the same then as it is now, then you're going to come after me, you're going to deny yourself and take up your cross. Because what he's saying, you can't serve two masters. If you're going to be about my business, then be about my business. But you can't be about your business Monday through Friday and about my business Saturday and Sunday. That's not how it works. In our, in our declaration of faith, there is no moderation. There is no half-truth. There's no half-faith. You're going to be about the will of God or you're going to be about the will of yourself. And he's saying the true believer of Jesus Christ denies himself. He takes up his cross. That cross uh, is a modern-day emblem of death. Now, it is a, a modern-day emblem of death for us, too, but only in the way we look back at the cross. But for them, a cross was the equivalent of us carrying around a noose on our necklace or, or an electric chair. He said, you're going to have to carry your cross. Carry your daily death. It's like in Paul in 1 Corinthians when he says, die daily. Because if you're going to be a follower of Christ, if you're going to intentionally live the way that God's called you to live, then you're going to have to die daily to yourself. 
Because there's no such thing as a pro proclamation of faith and then life's just easy and you're going to walk, walk and step with the Spirit. Nobody believes that. Anyone older than the age of 10 understands Satan's coming at you daily. But you're going to die daily to Satan. You're going to die daily to yourself. And you're going to say, I live for one will, and that is the will of God. I am a slave to the cause of Christ. It's His will that matters, and I'm going to live inside of that. He then comes and says, you have to lose yourself to find Christ. That's countercultural, right? Our culture says, be your best self. Live for yourself. Everything that is uh, proclaimed on Instagram and, and Twitter and Facebook is generally self-serving. There's nothing more egotistical or, or, or narcissistic than usually a social media post. You can take a current event and somehow turn it into your day. Uh, you, can turn, uh, you, you can turn the most horrific thing and somehow like, ascribe that to the fact that your coffee wasn't right this morning. And, and, and they play into that. Satan plays into that. And we know that's how our, our faith can get thwarted. And, and what Christ is saying here, for you to lose yourself is to find Christ, and to find yourself is to lose Christ. I know, I know it's a lot of words on words, but it's, it's a simple matrix of you can be about yourself or you can be about Christ. You can't be about both. He also says, you will be, be repaid for what you have done. You'll be held accountable for the way you live. There is no treading water. There is no moderation. There is action and inaction. There is obedience and disobedience. You will follow Christ or you will not follow. You are, you are created and born to worship and follow something. And you will live out this life and die following something. You have to, again, be honest with yourself. What are you following? What are you ascribing to? What are you allow, allowing your worship and, and your, your, your value to fall at the feet of? We are created to worship. He says, if we don't worship, the rocks will cry out. We are going to worship something. I pray today that you worship the king. So it's all about our manner of life. If you have heard my teaching before, a lot of you have, have I've been teaching you for a few years now, and you know that I love the way Paul talks about the manner of life. I always come back to the manner of life. For something, as long as I can remember, the word manner has captivated me. It has spoke to me. Words are important, and Paul was good at it. And he says the manner of life, which means the way you live your life, has to respect, reflect Christ. In Philippians 1.27, he says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Colossians 1.10, he says, Walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Ephesians 4.1 says, Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Does your manner of life reflect the fact that you serve the risen Lord? It takes a lot to be honest with yourself. Half, half of becoming a grown-up is realizing where you're at and where you need to be. And that, that's for everything. That could be your spiritual health. That could be your mental health. That could be your physical health. You, you, can't, you can't make a physical uh, goal for yourself and expect to realistically get there if you don't have some self-reflection of where you're at right now. You can't say, I want to run an eight-minute mile and just say, good luck and go out. That's not going to happen. You're going you're gonna to burn out. You're not going to really get it done until you look at yourself and say, where am I actually at? What am I actually ascribing my power and faith and love and peace to? Is it the king? Is it the cross? Is it the empty tomb? Because the beautiful thing about the empty tomb is that it is a portrayal of biblical truth. Because that tomb is empty, everything else is true. 
the, the Bible wouldn't exist if the tomb wasn't empty. So since the tomb is empty, the Bible is true. So everything he promises us, everything we're in covenant with, everything he ascribes for us as believers is true because the empty tomb is empty. But you have to be honest with yourself and say, do I actually believe that? Is it something that I heard a long time in Sunday school? Is it something I allowed Timothy to yell at me in passionate excitement over <laughs> on Sundays? Or is it just something that's just kind of cool? An empty tomb, Easter's awesome, we're going to wear pink and yellow, aesthetics, it's going to be beautiful, it's going to be popping, there's going to be Easter egg hunts, there's going to be parties, there's going to be brunches. All of that is okay and not the point. Right? All of these are beautiful, sovereign grace. I'm not bashing any of those. I will be at a brunch. I will be wearing something that's just on fire. <laughs> well, actually, I put a lot of pressure on myself. I don't think it's on fire. It's like a blue shirt. All right, let's retract that. I'm going to be moderately dressed, but I can promise you, there is, I promise you Hillary's going to be on fire. We know that. That is true. No pressure. Good luck. And all those things are beautiful things. All those things, I love getting together. I love the camaraderie we have. We're going to have an Easter egg hunt at the Davidson. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a brunch at the Stevens. It's going to be awesome. We do good at biblical community. I love that we get together. But all of that is a waste of time if you're not living your life out like the tomb is empty. All of that stuff is just pomp and circumstance. And I pray to God today that everyone in this room understands the true meaning of Easter, the true meaning of a risen Lord, because it's not about a celebration of Easter Sunday. It's a celebration of life that plays out every moment of your being that says, I live differently because I know I'm saved and sanctified. I live differently because I know my Savior lives. I live differently because I live a manner in which I have been called to live. You have to ask yourself some hard questions. Here's a hard question. If you believe the tomb is empty and you, you serve the risen Lord, but you haven't told your co-worker about it, there's a chance you don't actually believe it. An atheist was once questioned on 60 Minutes where she, she said, what is your biggest uh, selling point for atheism? And they said, I know as much about the Christian Bible as an atheist can know. And if, if the believers that I've surrounded my life with actually believe what this Bible says, how can they not tell everyone till the day they die. Because if they're the only ones that know the truth and the way to heaven, and they're just kind of keeping it to themselves and inside of their circle, that's why I don't believe. Because if you had the, the key to life, the key to glory, the key to love, the key to hope, and we're not sharing it with people, maybe you don't have the key. You have to be honest with yourself. Because I'm guilty. There's people in my, 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 my 8 to 5 that know I'm a pastor. They know I pastor a church, and we haven't talked about Jesus once. Now, we can talk about what's on Netflix. I will binge out. I will go into the, the, the dark web, finding out plots. I love TV shows. Oh, I love TV shows so much. It's not healthy. It's not healthy. And I will talk until you're tired of hearing me talk about season three of True Detective. It was better than everyone said. You just have to watch it twice before you get everything. But if I want to talk to you about an hour about the upcoming Game of Thrones premiere, but I don't want to sit down and talk to you about Jesus Christ, then I believe in Game of Thrones, but I do not believe in Jesus Christ. Amen. Man, I'm getting amped. I really apologize. Some of you are like, yeah, get into it. Some of you are like, are you going to right at me? The answer is yes to both. <laughs> you have to step into that space. And I know that space is scary if you're not living the way you should. But here's the caveat. You're Peter. Peter was called the rock on which Christ would build his church, and in the same breath, he was called Satan. He is not looking for perfect people. 
We saw that as we studied the book of Genesis and we're, we're walking right through right now through the life of Abram. Where we understand he's going to call you where you're at. He's not calling you to be perfect. He's calling you to be faithful. I promise you the same thing that plagued you last Monday morning will, pl will plague you in 12 hours from now. But the difference is you can die to that, you can die to yourself, and follow Christ. It is a daily decision. It is a daily death. Because if you don't move and if you don't act, we already know what James says about that. Faith without works is dead. We don't want to be dead. Dead gets us separated from God. Dead gets I never knew you. So I pray today... That you find where you're at. I'm big into this. I have, you've, you've all heard my story. I have a lot of demons that I battle as a young kid. And one of the ways I keep myself above uh, the water, and one of the ways that I keep myself sane, that I do a lot of self-reflection. I do a lot of journaling. I do a lot of yoga. I do a lot of stretching. There's bergamot on my chest. If there's a way for it to better myself, I'm going to do it. But I understand all of that is secondary to communing with my God. All of that is secondary to living in the Word. But I ask yourself to find yourself this week. And that may be a hard answer. And it's okay for you to say, I'm at the bottom of the barrel. I'm at the, the lowest of the low. I'm at the lowest of the valley. That's okay for a few reasons. One, we have a God that's not going to stand on top of the mountain and cheerlead you up. We have a God that's going to go down to the valley and pull you up. We have a God who's not going to yell at you from the shores and say, hey, good luck with that storm. We have a God who's going to walk on water and calm the storm. You also have a group of people in this room that dearly love you. And we have proven time and time again that if you're going to suffer, you're not doing it alone. If you're going to cry, you're not going to cry alone. And over our dead bodies, over my dead body, are you going to feel isolated, alone, and depressed? Because you're going to have someone bugging the heck out of you. Find yourself. Move it to the image of Christ. And I pray that we step into space. I'm excited about Easter. Can I tell? Like I said, I had a rough week this week and I didn't even care. There were things coming to me this week. They were like, hey, this is Debbie Downer, Debbie Downer, Debbie Downer. And I'm just walking to Sunday. I didn't care. I was like, this has been on my heart since Monday night. And every day between Monday night and right now has been cannon fodder for me. Because I'm just trying to walk and teach what this book has put on my heart for these people. Amen. I'm going to pray over us. Before we dismiss, and, and we're going to sing one more song, we're going to worship, we have some things going on. We're movers and shakers today. We decided that not only are we going to do time change, we're going to put a million things in today, and I love it, because we're going to execute it beautifully, because that's what we do. We know how to party. It's a biblical gift. I tell myself in the mirror every day. What God, what some meant for evil, we have turned into good. We can, we can party like, no, that's not what that scripture is really designed to mean, but walk with me. So this is what's going to happen. We're going to sing. If you have a child that is singing downstairs, so we have partnered with Kessler Baptist. They have been beautiful and loving. If you see them, give them a half hug. If they want a full thing, bring it in. We are growing and being sustained because of these people's faith. So if you see them, honor them and love them. Our kids, if they're old enough, which is three to five, are singing for them at 11. If you're a parent, by all means, go and watch your kid. We're going to sing. We're going to worship. While they're doing that, we and that, we're going to transition into a brunch social. We have coffee, we have donuts, and we're going to shower the Lawrences with some love because they're about to grow our church one person <laughs> at a time. You laugh. That's how we've grown this church. It's a slow growth plan. 
Let me pray over us, and the dishes are going to lead us out. So, God, thank you for today. Thank you for these people. Thank you for the truths that we know we should live. God, I pray for two things. I pray that you help us be honest and you show us the truth that is us. And from there, you encourage us and allow us to take steps into your path, your will, for your glory. God, I pray all these things over the people in this room. I love them dearly. Amen. Amen.